welcome. Welcome to the Multivac podcast. This is the first podcast that we've ever done, which is great. So um, we've got some guests with us today and we'll tell you a little bit about what the podcast is about. And then, uh, but I'll introduce people first and then we'll get going. Mm-hmm. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. So I'm Elliot. Um, I, my official title is Business Unit Manager at Multivac, which basically means that I'm a bum. Uh, so I want to change that a little bit, maybe. Uh, um, but I look after recyclability, helping customers make the right packaging choices when it comes to plastic reduction, sustainability, and things like that. Uh, we've got today. We've got Clive with me. Clive. Yeah, uh, Clive. I am a material specialist for Multivac, so um, cover most of the country. Um, supposed to be south, but I end up roaming all over the place these days. Um, so yeah, looking after the ever-changing world of plastic and packaging. Very exciting. We've got Laura. <laughs> yeah, I'm marketing manager here at Multivac UK. Um, and yeah, obviously this is a big thing for us. We've not done a podcast before, so it's exciting. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a great way to obviously talk about everything materials. So be good. Perfect. This was Laura's idea, by the way. Yeah. So this goes horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah. 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 You can blame me. Who to blame. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got Chris. Yeah, I'm Chris Howard. Uh, I'm the product sales manager. Um, I did look after all the product development managers. So we develop the, uh, the new products coming through the products that are running these materials on them. So we develop those and, and inform the sales guys of what's new and what's coming through. We've already kind of alluded to it a little bit, but the uh, podcast is mainly centred around materials. And the idea behind this was to talk about packaging recyclability. We launched um, about a year ago now, or six months. No, I think about a year yeah. ago, we launched a sort of consultancy programme called the Right Pack Consultancy, which helps customers make the right packaging choices this is a really big, big subject. We're not going to cover it in one podcast. So we're going to try and do this quarterly. And the, the idea is to effectively, eventually, hopefully, customers, um, yourselves, will ask us questions and then we'll attempt to answer them um, down the line. So that's the idea. Today, we've got a load of questions that we've, we've asked the business, the, the, mm-hmm. the questions that they generally get from, from customers. And we'll, we'll try and answer those questions today and have a bit of a discussion about materials and packaging and the industry and what's going on. Um, just to sort of introduce it a little bit further, I suppose, is that we created about four years ago, five years ago, when the whole Blue Planet thing came out and this sort of exploded onto the scene. Thanks, David. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, David, yeah. Um, where are you now? <laughs> um, we, like, the industry had to obviously react massively and we as a business, um, we make a lot of packaging machinery, but we also sell a lot of the materials that go down that machinery. So I think we have for thermoformers, which is like the mince packs and, and other meat and poultry and fish packs, we, we have about an 85% market share on the, on the supermarket shelf. So we have quite a big responsibility and influence on what happens on the supermarket shelf. So we took it upon ourselves to try and create something that helps customers make the right choices. Yeah, and I think is- that's why we, we held our plastics and packaging event, wasn't it? So yeah. that was... 2018, which is mad. I think mm. it was anyway. Is that, is, that, is that when it was? 2018. Yeah, I think it was that 2018. So yeah, that was our <clears throat> we held our event there, which kind of focused all around this huge topic. So yeah, I think really it's just good that we keep everyone up to date with what we're doing and trends that are out there. So it's, yeah. it's hugely important, and it's on the agenda for everyone now, and it has been the last four years. So mm. and it develops all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? It's ever changing, isn't it? Um, so hopefully this is a way that we can kind of connect a little bit in a different different way. I don't think anyone else really does 
something like this as a podcast? No, I've not heard of anybody doing this. And I'm constantly asked by customers, you know, about materials and what's the new trends. And, you know, this is a, a great vehicle to actually explain that to them. That's great. Mm. And, and, and what sort of questions, Chris, come up? What's so, the main ones? So the, the, the main ones are obviously everybody's focused on the plastic tax, um, you know, about okay. sustainability. It's what can we run on our machines? What can we do better for them? How can we save them? You know, money in their plastics, things like that. It's it's the general questions that hopefully we can start answering in this podcast. Sure, sure. It's a big thing that gets missed, isn't it? And I think Clive, you'd probably agree with me that the what what citizens and what we see on supermarket shelves is just one part of it. Yeah, you have this whole huge supply chain in the background, and how we get what is traditionally non-recyclable things and, and, and products that don't fit into a system, how we, how we take that and move it into a system. Mm. An ever-changing system as well. And you face that quite often, don't you, Clive? All the time, basis. absolutely, yeah, yeah. Shall we delve into the, the box and yeah, start on some let's questions? Do it. We, we, we've got questions that we want to have a chat about. So, so yeah, we've, we've got this box. Um, and like Edith said, we've asked um, customers for some questions. Can we've we asked. The, uh, the question asking, or should we, we share the um, but Yeah, so the first one is curbside recycling collection versus supermarket recycling mm. collection. Why are both needed? Great. Okay. Um, I will I will try and lead these discussions and then the idea is that people jump in and, and, and ask mm-hmm. further questions or, or we discuss it. So there for, for, for those that um, don't know, there are mainly widely recyclable materials is based around curbside collection. So that's what you collect at home. So that's what citizens put in their bins, whether it's a brown bin, black bin, whatever you have in your in your certain area. That's curbside collection. And then that doesn't collect everything. So that a lot, of, I think the biggest mistake that I think we make um, in in this country is that we think that if we put whatever goes in there is, is recycled, and that's very much not the case. Um, and there's a big education piece to to, to have around that. Um, but we all, but so there's a lot of materials that are recycled in that, and a lot are not. And the hard and fast rule is that hard plastics can generally be recycled in there. Um, as long as they're what we call monomaterials, so it's, so it's of one type of plastic. Um, and then flexible packaging, crisp packets, bread bags, lidding films for like mince packs, they're generally not recycled in those recycling streams for different reasons, and we can, we can unpack mm. that for sure. Um, and then there's, so that presents a problem, doesn't it? Because all of a sudden only like 50% or half the pack can be recycled. Mm-hmm. So what do supermarkets do? to um, put green labels on their packaging because that's the ultimate goal and they created another recycling stream which is collections at supermarkets because they're in control of that recycling they're in control of that situation so supermarkets aren't in control of what happens curbside so they create another recycling stream Mm -hmm. Um, and they're the two differences so the not all materials are recycled at supermarkets it's really important to know that so not all flexible materials is it's still very specific and still very um, minimal amounts of plastic that are, but it is grow- that list is growing all the time. Are all supermarkets doing that at the moment? The majority are. It's actually normally larger stores. Okay. The locals wouldn't be doing that, typically. You are may they being it, encouraged to? Or? I think over time they probably will do, but at this point in time it's only larger sort of superstores, the big sheds. Is if you there like. a, a deadline for all the big supermarkets don't being believe so no yes. don't no. think so um it, it, it's not needed mm. it's a supermarket driven thing to answer a need that's needed by the public mm. um because curbside doesn't 
can't do it. Cover it all, yeah. Um, I think you've raised a really good point there, Clive, and to just touch on it really subtly, is that the classic is recyclable in the UK. Mm. It's about collection. Yeah. It isn't actually about the out, the output of the recycling. And that's something, to, to class it as recyclable on a pack, it's about collection and collection streams rather than what the output is. So will that be a tray again? Will that be a bottle? Will that, will that become something else, a car part or whatever? It's not about that. Mm. In the UK, we class recyclable. Has it been collected? Yeah. And therefore, is it in the hand of a waste management company that, that should responsibly do something with that product again? Mm. Um, and that's why it opens the door to supermarkets and major supermarkets. Um, we... I don't know who hasn't done it yet. I think a couple of supermarkets haven't done it. A couple of brands haven't okay. done it. Um, but 75% of But they're the not being pushed to. Access. It's just literally up to them if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. There's no criteria set by anybody no. to, to force people. So. Which is mad, really, isn't it? It's yeah. crazy, yeah. you think yeah. that would kind of be a, a goal that they all have to achieve. But. Yeah. I think it's coming. I think <clears throat> the, the broader broader spectrum of this of this issue or, or this journey that we're on to become circular economy and, and create a plastic circular economy I think is it more about legislation and, and I think the government are sort of sitting back and going okay how are people going to react to this mm. and then are we going to then because they, they are abundantly aware that the recycling streams aren't aren't present at the moment because they didn't plan for this because their, their, their plans were 10 years ago rather than four years ago when, when, when Blue Pattern Blue Planet happens so mm. um, I think they're waiting to see what happens and then, then see what streams are available and then make that Nip change make the change from there because they're aware that the infrastructure just isn't there currently yeah, and it isn't in the UK and mm. we are better than most as well which is, which is a shame really um, and there are we do some great recycling in the, in the country don't get me wrong yeah. but um, it isn't economical to recycle lightweight flexible packaging it just simply isn't mm. economical in this country what, have we right got, what do we have drum roll it's exciting Da-da. when will epr replace prn and will the new charges really be paid by the brand owners so obviously i've got two questions what's, so i think what's... you've got the same questions as me i'll let you answer it laura well, what's epr and what's prn yeah. great i have no idea do you want to take this one clive yeah, or do you want Clive, me to you can have that one <laughs> EPR is Extended Producive Responsibility. Excellent. Uh, which will replace the PRN system. Great. Which is Packaging Recovery Notes. Yep. Um, it's been delayed, the installation of EPR. It was due to take place uh, January the 1st, 2023. It's now been delayed until 2024, and there are some rumours, and it is only rumours, that it will be delayed even beyond that point. Okay. Um, basically, because the, the economics involved will cause a lot of financial impacts on the processors um, across every industry pretty much so it's a fairly um, it's going to have a very big impact on the, on every industry so um, they'll have to think hard as to if and when they install it <laughs> it would it, be a huge change to the industry so we, it's quite ironic that, that question just come up with how we ended the previous one because PRNs Packaging recovery notes are what fund the recycling system at the moment. Oh, okay. Okay, so recycling isn't um, economical. Therefore, the entire supply chain at the moment pays a certain percentage for the amount of for plastic, metal, cardboard, wood, whatever they use. They, they subsidise the industry, basically. Right. Isn't so, it, it, just on that, Elliot, is, isn't it true that the plastic tax... Not EPR, but plastic tax, which obviously is in place now. Yeah. 
I will generate something like one billion pounds for the UK government, something like that. It is, Clive. Very, <laughs> very true. Uh, but the UK government refused to account for it and where it goes. Mm. So there's a huge call to action. Parties, maybe. Um, parties. <laughs> just, just saying. Yeah. Fines. Top of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We, we even brought Partygate into this. It's brilliant. <laughs> isn't it? you see. It's topical. <laughs> Very topical. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. So the, the, the UK government are aware that they have to fund the packaging, the, the recycling industry, because it's just not sustainable um, economically. Um, so PRNs was a system created years ago that, that helped support that. Mm. And the whole supply chain basically contributes. Okay. Okay. That's going to change into something called extender producer responsibility, which is effectively the same. It's still helping the recyclers um, recycle and, and, and put money and injection money in, into that sort of side of things. Mm. However, it's the brand owner that pays for it. So if your brand is on it, whether it's a supermarket brand, supermarket will pay for it, their brand. Or if it's a, a another brand, I'm really careful not to say brands it, <laughs> uh, a another brand, um, food brand, then they would pay the entire cost. Oh, wow. So instead of it being split, it would be their cost. And the idea behind it um, from, a, from a very top-down level is that the brand owner is the person is, is the decision maker on what type of packaging their product gets put yeah. in. Drives right. the responsibility. They drives the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So therefore, they should be the ones that make the choice. Therefore, okay. if they don't make the right choice, they're the ones that have to pay for it. Ah. Now, EPR yeah. is slightly different to packaging tax in that you can track where it goes. So, plastics tax is a HMRC-driven tax that goes into the massive government pot, okay, and and then it gets distributed to everywhere so the idea is that epr replaces it um because then the the right decisions should be made so there are rules around what types of packaging you can make and we won't go into that today because i think that that, that's probably a little bit too specific but um effectively for example card the use of card and cardboard is cheaper than plastic right and they've done that for a reason that they're trying to encourage encourage less plastic Mm -hmm. yeah okay um, and that's, that's also a really important point from, from a multi-back point of view. We, we don't really like the word sustainability. We like weight, plastic waste reduction. That's generally what we focus on. So when we look for our customers, we look at trying to reduce their plastic amount yeah. mm-hmm. is number one. Number two is then how to get it recyclable. And then number three is asking, okay, what's the next step that we can do beyond that? And we, we tend to take it in steps. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, one of the things that Blue Planet raised was it, it was almost a demonization of plastic. Mm. And it's important to note that plastic is where it, where it is now. It's evolved over decades to give product protection, uh, to give presentation, to give you, you know, lots product of security, benefits, yeah. shelf life, any, any number of things. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't got time to shop every other day. <laughs> if you didn't have products packed in certain, you know, materials, then that's what you'd be doing ultimately. So yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's one of those things that uh, I think is a misconception. Everybody thinks you can just remove plastic completely and everything will be fine. But life will fundamentally change if you do that. So mm. plastic Mass- isn't the right. devil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's a really good resource, mm. um, but we've abused it. Yeah. As as a as a worldwide resource, we have we have abused it. We've become very um, convenience driven, haven't we? I think in food, I think it's when you sort of triple pack something 
that's what I don't like to see because yeah. I don't think it's necessary. Yeah. Um, that's the bit that that really irritates me when I see it on the shelf. The worst thing I've seen is is a coconut wrapped in plastic, and I won't <laughs> mention the retailer. This is true, <laughs> true story. I won't mention the retailer's name, but um, I actually asked one of the one of the staff, "Why is this wrapped in plastic?" And she said. Because the, the barcode won't attach to the hairy coconut. <laughs> that was seriously. True story. I love how they knew that True as well. story. And I said, well, can you not shave the coconut? And that, A bit that, like your head, yeah? That, that you, you get the barcode stuck <laughs> on your head, Absolutely, yeah. It's not going on there. It's not going on there. <laughs> Who buys a coconut in the UK? Do, do you ever buy coconut? I've never bought coconut. Never. No, I do not have a cocktail out of a coconut. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But that Co- was just bizarre. A coconut wrapped in plastic. Wow. Because wow. like it's too hairy. Exactly that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, fruit is a bad one, isn't it? There's so much plastic yes. in fruit when really fruit, you don't need as much. Not but as much, no. Yeah, I think in the protein sector and stuff, it's an absolute must, isn't it? Yeah, so. 100%. And bakery. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Fruit, fruit is an interesting one because some need it and some don't. Yeah. So it's really difficult for anyone walking around a supermarket to know what We've got a, what, a good what, few what examples behind you on the fruit, haven't we? Yeah. So we do have a couple of examples of people that are on video. We've got... So this 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 is packing apples. So apples traditionally, when you buy apples, you want to buy four, and it comes in like a flow wrap with a piece of plastic around it. Now, as we've already talked about, haven't we, Chris? The yep. flexible packaging isn't curbside collectible. Tis not. Okay, you have to return it to the supermarket. <laughs> yes. Okay. So in France, they have said. I nearly did a Fred Jackson. <laughs> I stopped myself. Go on, do it. Oh, God. Uh, it could just be bad. It'll come out like Welsh or something. I did my um, Welsh one in a minute. So, <laughs> Apple, so in France, they've banned the use of plastic on, on fresh fruit and veg. And whether or not that's the right thing is a different discussion. I think the real, the real answer is that, they, that it's right to do it on certain products. So apples, you don't need plastic. So we've got a solution that, and, and France are looking at, at how to package these things up now. Basically, a cardboard tray uh, and then a, a, a paper label that goes over the top. So you can still buy your four apples together. You don't need to have a little bag in the, in the supermarket that you put them in and carry them and back in and gets rid of the fear of everyone touching them and stuff. Mm. So um, we, we can still create that convenience, but you get rid of plastic. So that's a 100% plastic um, <clears throat> option that you, that you can have. Fully widely recyclable, curbside. Mm-hmm. Okay, because paper is generally curbside, apart from a small rule, which is you've got to have under 15% plastic to that product. Um, so that really ticks a box. Mm-hmm. The question is, from our point of view, is from from a from an industry point of view, is how much investment is needed to go from a flow wrap, quick and easy, cheap plastic, into something that's cardboard with a lot more cost. Mm-hmm. So what's the driver? Because I assume that the price per pack on a flow wrap is a lot, lot less than this fully recyclable pack. By the very nature of what it is, yeah. yes. Yeah. And that is the, 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 the prohibitive element of the customers going over to, from flow wrap to fully recyclable. That, that's what we find. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have this battle, right? And, and, it, and it is a daily battle, genuinely, is, is, is a cost battle. Yes. Um, we've got a great solution, but it's going to cost way too much. Mm. But the supermarket need it because the consumer really is driving for it. I said consumer that time. Um, <laughs> really driving for it. But then it gets stopped further on down the line. So mm-hmm. further up the supply chain, it gets kiboshed. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we've really faced. And that's kind of why the right pack consultancy was created to try and get around that issue 
further up the stream okay so we know what the supermarkets want and then we try and deal with the entire supply chain to try and make these actions easier and the and these packaging changes easier but that's a really good example yeah, yeah. like yeah. of where we can get rid of plastic it's unnecessary plastic straws is the really obvious one even though it really irritates me at mcdonald's when i'm having a milkshake um you can easily get rid of plastic straws it's not needed it doesn't give a shelf life it doesn't give any 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 um other benefit so put it in paper bish bash bosh nice yep. and easy and done and i think the consumer believes that about a load of other different types of packaging um but actually the reality is that we know and our customers know the implications of putting a project like that in place yeah the processing the speed of packing the logistics of shipping that those apples around now is it going to be different do i need new cases and all that sort of stuff there's a lot that goes into it um and that's what we try and unpack a little bit yeah. don't we oh i think that leads us on to the next question next question next question we need, we need like a barry white voice as well don't we for that <laughs> <laughs> is it sustainable to keep adding pcr into materials What's PCR? No, move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what is PCR? What is PCR? Yeah. All right, so... Uh, so many abbreviations. I know. There is, there is. It's just because, you know, we all like convenience, don't we? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, PCR is post-consumer recycled waste. Okay. Okay. So we've recycled something. We've collected it curbside or at the supermarket. Yeah. We've um, washed it, cleaned it, and we've got the product... Recycled as is, great. We've got some new new material, and now we need to put it back into some new packaging. Yeah. Okay. So it's to encourage PCR is to encourage the use of it is to encourage actually recycling and using that material again. Okay. Packaging. So good. that's a circular economy one hundred and one. Yeah. Good example of that would be fizzy pop bottles. No brands mentioned again. Yeah. <laughs> fizzy, um, fizzy pop. If fizzy you pop. if you look at um, some of the big. Big uh, brands, they're taking the, the plastic bottles, they're granulating them, mm-hmm. and then reusing them again in the same product. So that's the perfect loop. Yeah. Bottle-to-bottle recycling, yeah. nice and easy, literally the easiest thing that you can do, yeah. huge tick. And traditionally, to get to the question, is it sustainable to keep putting PCR in, you can only recycle that PCR, that, that, that material, that virgin material, a couple of times. Right. Okay? So um, the idea is that you mix virgin fresh material with recycler and then you've got a product that that has been to an element already recycled okay the issue is that a lot of people now are going for because it's it's the new sexy thing is is pcr content because it's what the plastics tax is yes it's measured on you've got to have a minimum of 30 percent to get past okay the tax um so the new sexy thing is we don't need 30 percent. let's go 80 mm. let's go 100 <clears throat> but Immediately, as soon as you start doing to 100 or, or even 80%, you're using up most of the recycled content that's available on the market. Yes. So, Fizzy Pop brands, as Clive mm. lovely likes, Fizzy Pop. Fizzy Pop. <laughs> Fizzy Pop. Yeah. It's a thing. It is. I just, I just hear the Peter K joke with the roller cola joke whenever you say Fizzy Pop. I don't know why. Um, you, they're, they're buying up all their, all their recycled bottles and all their fresh bottles they're very much buying it on the markets so the bottle industry has very much fed the pcr market 
especially right. in polyester. So we're talking about polyester here mm -hmm. because polyester in trays and meat <clears> trays <throat> for our customers and fish trays is the obvious one. So, and it's really easy to do. You can identify a bottle as, as being a fizzy pot bottle. Therefore, you know it's food content that's already been in there. Therefore, you can put it back into food contact. Right. packaging and it's the most recyclable material there is pretty and, much and it's the most recyclable so it's the most yeah. readily available what the big brands have now done is said okay we can see this is going to be a problem going forward so we're now going to buy all that all those bottles up that yeah. leaves a problem for tray manufacturers because all of a sudden they don't have as much resource mm. available to them to, to be able to do these 80 60 50 percent mm. recycler so when we say it's sustainable and that really gets the core word of sustainable because sustainable about it is can we sustain this the, yes. this product? Mm -hmm. The answer is no. Eventually, if you keep using 100% recycled content, that that material won't be able to be used again. Eventually, I think it's about five or six times you can you, you can reuse okay. recycle uh, recycled material until it becomes really difficult to process and yeah. you have to put a load of additives in it to make it the product that it once was, which right. kind of defeats and, the problem. Yeah, and visually, I mean, just to pick up on the, the, the C word, the compromise word, if you look at a fizzy pop bottle uh, you buy now, you can actually see how much content is in there to some degree because the neck of the bottle will become darker and darker the more recycled. It goes grey, doesn't it? Okay. It starts okay. to go really grey. Grey, brown sort of colour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you start to see that quite a lot now in some mm. fizzy pop brands. Wow. I'll look out for that next time. Yeah. Yes. And for our customers, that's a really important point because bottles feed your recycled content. Yeah. So if someone is buying all the bottles up, <clears throat> that creates a big problem. And it's ironic that recycled content used to be that used to be cheap. That's why we used to do this. Yeah. Yeah. So you used to have a product that would be 50% virgin, 50% recycled because the flake of 50% is cheap so it keeps the cost down. Yeah. Now, recycled content is way more expensive. Than yeah, this, oh, wow. it's going to be a massive swing. So virgin's yeah. now no, it's now the other way around, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so. very much the other way around. Yeah. So you, That's you, crazy, you, isn't it? Just we've never seen that effect before. So. Yeah. But it's all about marketing. It's all about getting around these taxes. And it's all these bits that are a great idea in the forefront, but then there's loads of logistical issues behind mm. it. Um, so no, the answer is, in my opinion, it isn't sustainable. Eventually, no. we will come to a problem where the recycler isn't usable again, and then we need... How far do you think we are to that point? That's a really difficult question. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, can, I think it's an extruder answer. Yeah. Maybe we get a guest extruder on. That would be... Yeah. I would say yeah. sexy, but... Extrusion isn't sexy. <laughs> Great. So why is PET, PET, top web not recyclable when PET base web is? So because we've asked all the other ones, what does PET mean? <laughs> Polyester. <laughs> what your fizzy pot bottles are made out of. There you go. And most of your um, meat trays, poultry trays, okay. or, or vegan trays yes. are made out of. Um, Don't exclude the vegans. <laughs> <laughs> I did earlier and I had to apologise to the people that are filming this. Um, but that's a huge market. Plant-based stuff is, is a huge growing market. That's and huge, it's a really yeah. exciting market as well because it allows, it genuinely allows for, we'll come back to the question because we've gone <laughs> yeah. off. But, it, yeah. but I am quite excited about that because it, it allows for um, a, bit, a bit of innovation mm. just by the very nature of the people that, that want plant-based food. Um, and a bit of creativity going on. Yeah, 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 and more margin as well. Yeah. Like we look at cost, there's more margin in those products, so yeah. it allows for this innovation a little bit, which is, yeah. which is quite good. And we've seen custom uh, vegan producers saying, I want to produce this, how do I get to this? And then we're helping them get to that point. Yeah, and it's, exactly. it's a far more creative discussion that we're having with them. Yeah, you're not limited purely just on cost. 
no, 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 definitely not. Which no. is refreshing, right? Yeah, very refreshing. Yeah. It's a change. Let's get back to Pet. Yes, <laughs> <That's the question. laughs> Pet. So we, we've kind of we, we haven't already answered this, but we kind of have. So um, the idea behind a widely recyclable pack, which is like the holy grail widely recyclable pack that's curbside collected, <clears throat> okay, which means, as we've already discussed, that flexible top web. I'm waving my, for the purpose of the people not watching that, I'm waving my hand around like an idiot, <laughs> like saying this is flexible. That's like the international sign for flexible. Uh, so flexible top web uh, isn't curbside collected, but the base web is. So what we can do with most base webs is take a laminate, traditional laminate structure, which it always was, which is the cheapest way of kind of doing it as a complete pack, into a mono-based material on the, on the base web. So that mono-based material, you have to have one type of plastic. Yeah. Okay. And if you, as long as you have one type of plastic then um, then it's recyclable curbside for a semi-rigid or rigid pack. Now, the most popular product is polyester. Yeah. Okay, for, for various different reasons and, and, and whatnot. So polyester is the main one, but that leaves a question on what you do with the top. So how do we get that flexible top web to be recyclable? And the, and the rule is, OPRL rule is, that if you have a weldable top web, so if it's classed as one complete type of packaging, okay, so OPRL... If you easily can separate two different types of packaging, you have to certify or label them up as two different types of packaging. Mm. So one might be green label, one might be black label. So traditionally, you've got a tray that's green and now you've got the lid that's black because the lid is, 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 is peelable because everyone likes convenience, so we mm. like to peel it off. Um, but that creates a problem. So because you now you have to put the two different types of packaging in two different areas. Okay. And generally we don't. Like if we've been really honest with ourselves, most people don't. They take the, they, they open up the pack, leave the top web on, yeah, mm-hmm. and then chuck it in the curbside. Maybe give it a wash, mm. depending on what mood they're in. Um, and then it goes into the recycling. I think we were talking wife, about my, this earlier. My wife's very strict about separating everything. She had to, and, and then she'll moan at me that it won't separate. And then she'll <laughs> say, but you're from a packaging company. Why can't I do this? Mm. And it, it just opens up a whole new discussion. Mm. But yeah, she's very, very you know, strict on it needs to be separated. You have great chat in your house. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, you've got... You've got to create then, then you've got to look at the rules and create a pack that um, avoids separation. So your wife, Chris, might get annoyed at this, but the, 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 the easy way of doing that is welding the top web yeah. to the base web. Yeah. So you make a 100% polyester pack that's weldable. And that's the difference with the question. So Laura, if you repeat the question. Why is pet top web not recyclable when pet base web is? So short and fast, flexible top, separate off has to go into a different recycling stream. But actually, polyester top web isn't recyclable via the supermarket collection streams, but the base web is. Mm. So that raises the question, well, why can the same type of plastic in one format, just thicker, be recyclable, and the thinner stuff can't mm. be? Mm. And that's about economics and, and, and whatnot and, and, and collection systems. However, we've then taken it a step further. So a couple of people in the industry have taken it a step further, saying, right, well... If the customer wants convenience by having it peelable, but the rule is that you can still weld on it, there is a type of pack that you can get around this with. Okay. So you can do the easy, fast and easy rule of just welding a polyester top web to a polyester base web and saying to the consumer, you've got to open it with a pair of scissors. Yeah. Technically, that gets around the OPRL rules. Right. But it's not, 
it's not great. It's like I said before, it's, it's, fit, it's fitting legislation, isn't it? Yes. It's ticking, it's ticking boxes. Exactly. What rules are there in, at the moment? Exactly. And, it, and the rules might change. Yeah. Um, and then there's another product. So the, the, the example that I have of this um, is the Blueberry Pack from Asda. Yeah. So Asda came out with the, with the pack that said, on the green, 100% recyclable. <laughs> And the whole industry went, how? <laughs> and if you look at that, there is, there's the, there is a way of making a pack weldable top web, but you can still peel it open. Okay. Okay. And um, you do that in various technical ways. Yeah. Um, but that's a really good solution on how we can get a fully curbside collected pack. You can even have it reseal. Okay. Okay. So you get around, but the, the key is that, you've, that the top web doesn't separate from the base web. That's the key because if it does, then it then it goes. Is into that labelled on the pack? Would you know? It, majority. Well, actually, I went to supermarket shopping point. this morning. Yeah, it's an interesting point because some uh, the the example Elliot's given for the as the as the blueberry pack, that one is labelled as 100% recyclable for the whole pack. There are other brands in the market who are doing the exact same thing, but don't declare the same recyclable status. Which is weird because you would have thought they'd all jump on that bandwagon. It really surprised me yeah. um, this morning when I when I collected kind of some packs in the supermarket. Mm. I literally had two packs open. Uh, I'm sad because I go around the supermarket and look at the back <laughs> of the pack. That I'm <laughs> it's your job. It's fine. <laughs> um, and, and, and one was fully, clearly labelled up, fully recyclable, exactly the same product um, as in packaging product, not not actual inside product. Mm. Um, completely different top and base web. One one was classed as recyclable, and one was classed, and it, and it was like, what? Well, why? Yeah, exactly interesting about product. that as well. It was it was actually a plant based company that didn't declare the whole pack recyclable. Yeah. you would have thought they would have been completely on yeah. that. Yeah, massively. Which is yeah. kind of the whole point because th- this product isn't cheap. So the kind of the whole point is to make a big thing about this is curbside collected. If you're going to spend the money trail. and then not, make yeah, not it singing obvious. Yeah, exactly. Promote it. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised by that. So yeah, yeah the labelling thing is is quite is, is, is a big big subject because our customers getting the right information to label correctly um, mm-hmm. from just a five minute walk on the supermarket, we suggest that they're not. Mm. They're not getting that advice, which is why the the right pack consultancy is a very good. Uh... Exactly. Yeah, that's part of it. We're, we're OPRL registered, and we yeah. can certify packs and, and and get you certificates for that sort of stuff. So yeah, um, yeah I was quite surprised about that. Mm. Are compostable materials better or worse than widely recyclable plastics? I'm just going to ask Clive to answer this one. because no, Over to you, Clive. He's, he's more precise than I am. Is there a soapbox for this? <laughs> you look excited to answer. Goodness me. This has been around for donkey's years, hasn't well, it? Well, compostable material. Compostable has been around for a long and time. And biodegradable. Let's just put them together and for the sake of this discussion. Yeah. I mean, biodegradable um, and compostable. I mean, I've got a, my, my personal view on this is that a, you can kind of make... Most material is compostable by adding degradable additives. And what that does, if you think of a plastic um, material as a molecular chain, all it basically does is chops it in half, chops it in half, chops it in half, chops it in half. So that bread bag that may be, or crisp bag that may be in the hedgerow that you drive past, that will eventually disappear. But where do those microgranules go to? Do they just disappear? No, they don't. They go into the water table. And then guess what? We end up drinking them at some point. So... I think the short and fast answer on, on compostable materials against plastic, plastic <coughs> recycling materials, which is quite a specific question, I suppose, is that it's about 
it's all about waste management systems. So compostable materials are a good material and, bi- and biodegradable materials are a good material as long as they get to the right place that compost- composts them or biodegrades them. And they're very, very specific facilities that we have in the UK. Yep. And there isn't many of them. The problem we have is that when, when people see a compostable material, there's two problems. One, they might throw it out the window thinking it'll just, as soon as it hits the ground, it becomes dust. Yeah. That's not the case. <laughs> yeah? But there is, that, uh, there is certain research shows there's definitely an attitude towards that. Uh, and the other is that we treat it the same as any other plastic. So we just chuck it straight in the plastic bin, mm. the green bin. The problem is then that gets collected, and, and in, 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 the, in collection it's then sorted. And the sorting house can't identify, if the sorting house can't identify that material as biodegradable or compostable and therefore send it to the right facility, therefore it's not going to get composted or biodegraded. Therefore it's going to go in landfill, it's going to get burnt. So it kind of defeats the object. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of research gone into this in terms, and it's all about waste management and, 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 and identifying that polymer and those, those packs, um, OPRL, um, and the UK Plastics Pact both say that compostables and biodegradables are not recommended at this point. They might be in the future, but they're not at the point. You can't put a green label on a compostable pack. You can label it, you can't put an OPRL green label on a compostable pack. Mm. You can put another label on saying it's compostable, mm. which sounds great, but in reality, mm. I think the citizens need to understand, in my personal opinion, that they need to ensure that that goes to the right place. So if you're so you, buy you can't it, put it in your compost bin. Well, you can, but you'll actually... you'll die three times over before it disappears. <laughs> <laughs> It'll still be there. I mean, literally, yeah. I mean, it, you, you need a certain amount of heat, moisture, and light for it to degrade, which is what Elliot's already mentioned about an industrial composting. But it's have a, those. But it's a perception thing. The public and the consumer will be walking around the supermarket. They buy with their eyes. They see compostable. Great. I yeah. yeah. Chuck in the, uh, you know, they chuck it into their compost heap for those who have them. Not many people do. Not that I know anyway. So, yeah. um, so it's a bit of a, it's, it's, again, it's a perceptional thing. Yeah. And it's, it gives people a nice warm feeling when they buy these things. But the actual knowledge behind it is, is quite the opposite, actually, I think. Yeah, because it goes I, back I, to I education. Think it, the reality is, yeah, yeah it's education. Yeah. It, it's yeah. it's the citizen, consumer, whatever mm-hmm. uh, that's buying that pack and thinking, like you're saying, a warm, fuzzy feeling. Mm. But they don't really know what they need to do with it. Yeah, they've got this conception of biodegradable compostability, yeah. but they don't a hundred percent know what to do with it. I wouldn't wouldn't know. So you what just to put do. it in the bin and yeah, exactly. kind of hope for the best. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, is exactly. the reality of the situation. Yeah. And I think the whole adage of like keep it simple, stupid comes yeah. into play let's just make it polyester or polypropylene and keep it easy for recyclers because we have to keep it easy for recyclers otherwise they don't know where to invest their money mm. so to answer the question yes it's better in my personal opinion that plastic products are made into recyclable formats rather than making it complicated using compostables yeah. next question when do you think the UK infrastructure for recycling flexible materials will be up and running the golden question. Yeah, wow. that's a big one. So this is like getting to the Holy Grail, isn't it? So mm. we've talked about base webs and semi, semi-rigid materials being recyclable, flexible, not curbside. Because let's be fair, it's an inconvenience to take it back to the supermarket. It's not easy. People just want to chuck it in the bin. Mm. So when is the big question? Um, now, the short answer is 2027, but I'm not convinced. So the research, this all comes down to... Um, different companies have contracts with different councils. 
So your bins in Swindon might be different to, to bins in Leeds that mm. are different to different boroughs in London. It's all a mix match because it's, it's all about gaining waste management contracts. And those waste management companies that win those contracts have their own facilities and their own abilities to recycle certain things. Yeah. Because okay. I've noticed in my in where I live in Norwich, I can now put out clothes, electronics. Um, they take all my really? food waste. Wow. That's amazing. So wow. they take all of it now. As long as it's in a bin bag and it's by the bin on the recycle day, they'll take. Does everything. it have to be labelled up? What's in nope. there? Right. No, no. I've just not do. heard of that before. So there, they take like say clothes, electronics. They do the food waste every week, so they're really on top wow, of it. that's really mm. good. Yeah. That's really good. And I don't think yeah. there's many people at many areas that would do that. I've no. not heard of that before. That's, no, yeah, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, mean, that's a, I mean, it's a good point, because I, mean, I moved, um, an example, seven years ago, I moved from Bristol to Gloucestershire, so 25 miles away, north. And Bristol would not take pizza boxes because they were food contaminated. Gloucestershire would. Bristol wouldn't take glass yeah. at that point. Gloucestershire would, yeah. mm. and they're they're bordering counties. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how yeah, diverse yeah. the problem is because everybody needs to be reading from the same page. Yes, until that happens, and they're, it's and not going to move forward. And and this is where the big call to action for the government really needs to come in because it's the, it's the government. Well, local local councils, but the government dictates what the councils can and cannot do. From from what I understand, there needs to be better legislation about what recyclers or what waste management companies need to have facilities for to win those contracts. Yeah. And uh, there is a big call to action on, on, on legislation yeah. on that front because that sort of legislation is healthy because it drives and forces people to put certain types of facilities in. But these facilities don't exist at the moment and they take time to build. And that's kind of the answer to the question is how long are they going to take to build mm-hmm. and then how long are those contracts renewed or when are they majority renewed that the government can build in these rules that they have to take flexibles, they have to do this, they have to do that. Um, and, the, and the general consensus is 2027, uh, which is a long time away, right? I don't know, mm. I think that'll fly um, around. It's, it, it will, mm. but in terms of um, time, in terms of the, the, the citizen wants this now, this is a huge yeah. subject and it's a huge, hugely emotive subject, especially when you, when you watch programmes that have plastic floating everywhere. It is a huge emotive subject. No one likes it, the industry doesn't want it. No one planned for plastic to end up in the ocean it's been abused, like, like we've already said. Um, so how do we solve it? And everyone wants to do it now. And, and the reality is you can't do it now. And a big blocker is, is, is these contracts and these facilities that we have in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, just aren't there yet. And investment's needed. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to the packaging tax. So where's the money <clears throat> from packaging tax going? Yeah. Like it should be invested into the infrastructure and accounted for, but it won't be. Mm-hmm. And the government have said it won't be. But EPR, like we talked about, can be. Yeah. But that only really keeps the industry going rather than the further investment that's yeah, needed. Yeah, we need a bit more. Um, I mean, there is, there, there's some interesting technology going through, uh, which is kind of, I think it's there, but it's not too far away. Um, there's a company called Recycling Technologies, which basically yeah. collects any plastic type. And what they do is crack it backwards so, you know, and do the process to create the original ingredients that you had to create these products in the first place. So you have right. naphtha and different uh, waxes and this sort of thing which can be used on for different purposes and be repurposed. That one would be massive. If that actually come to pass, would be huge because it would basically undo all the harm we've done so far. Yeah. To, to a point. <laughs> to, to a point, yes and no. Um, it's certainly a solution. That's chemical recycling yeah. that, that we're referring to. Um, yes, it will solve a big problem. Mm. There's a lot of films that can't be made mechanically recyclable, so therefore we need to have a solution. 
and chemical recycling will will help that. Um, and it is possible that they can kind of recycle any plastic. Mm. I learned recently that that's not completely the case. Okay. So like PVC is out, but PVC is kind of getting phased out anyway. Yeah, it's been But they can't, um, for the process, they don't want a lot of nylon either. So a high percentage of nylon. So yeah. we, we have to work with them um, and, and figure out how we, how we bring nylon content down with, with other packing, with other bits of packaging i believe there are companies that claim to be able to recycle any kind of plastic is this true so there we go Clive. there you there go. We go we've kind of touched on that already haven't we yeah yeah and, and, and it's not just recycling technologies it, it, the, there is loads of other companies yeah. and europe has the difference between europe and the uk europe's put quite a significant amount of um, investment into this right they see it as a big solution but their thought process is big units one in the country, and everything gets funneled into that, that one big unit. Um, recycling technologies have a different business model. They want yeah. to put one in every council, and in the UK that, that may fit better because, you know, going back to um, the 2027 thing and different contracts, it might help if, if, if a council has a, has a chemically recycled plant. Okay. Um, but on the surface of it, I think chemical recycling is brilliant. It's genius and, it, and it's really needed because there are structures that we simply cannot get into a mono single plastic structure mm. because of cooking. Customer yeah. might, might need to cook it <clears throat> or um, other webs that can't simply be mechanically recycled because it, there's different ways of recycling. Yeah. Um, are there so, examples and companies in Europe that we know of that are doing things that we could do? There's a lot of pilot stuff going on at the moment. Um, and it's also really so there's, there's pilot trials going on there, there's some companies that, can, that mm. can now produce it I think Tesco's did a pack about 18 months ago where they collected from, from store a load of cheese packs chemically recycled it in a closed loop scenario recracked it back to, to polymers and plastics and then remade some more packaging out of it mm. just to display what yeah. it would look like but it was very small scale and very difficult to do and very costly mm. the idea is that we, we do it more widely recyclable yeah, scale it up yeah so yeah. like mm. so for example you either send it back to the supermarket or it's curbside any flexible goes back to that, <clears throat> that, that that chemically recycled material and the beauty of chemically recycled material is that it classes for PCR content so uh, okay there's um, one thing that we didn't touch on for, for PCR is non-polyester materials are quite difficult to get food grade recycled for. Right. Legislation doesn't, uh, and, and recycling streams don't really allow for it um, because of the different products that are made. Like for polypropylene is, yeah. is a great example. It, yeah. it, there's a lot of cosmetics that are made in polypropylene mm. packaging. You don't want that back into food. So therefore, we, there, there is a contamination risk. Mm. Um, chemical recycling gets rid of all of that. It, it burns mm. it, 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 it incinerates it effectively and cracks it back to oil or naphtha and, mm. and, and different waxes and different off-products. And then that can then be put back into other packaging, which equals in getting you around the 30%. Um, okay, yeah. 30% PCR packaging tax rule, which is great. The problem is it's really untested, isn't it, Glow? It's really yep. untested uh, technology. There's not an, there there isn't a working plant in the UK at the moment. One's being built up in Scotland, and mm-hmm. a couple more are, are investing, um, but it's not quite there yet. So it's this chicken and egg scenario. We're kind of waiting for it and planning for it, but we've also got a design for the recycling streams okay. of now and today. But that would be a big problem solver, I think. Huge, and, and, and a quick and a quick one as well. Yeah, it would be huge. I mean, across Europe, I mean, they incinerate a lot of products. I mean, for me, that's 
not necessarily a bad thing because you actually recover the energy and then use it again in the yeah. villages and towns yeah. where it's recovered. I mean, we've got one in Gloucestershire, funny enough, um, and there was a protest uh, by uh, a famous protesting group who shall remain nameless. <laughs> um, just pick my words carefully because I don't want my house to be bombed. <laughs> um, but the um, uh, it's, it was built for five years. They finally got, got the thing open about five years ago. And then um, they got protested. What the guy who runs the plant did was genius. He invited the protesting group inside. Oh, wow. I said, okay. take a look at what we do. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're linked to the grid. So everything we incinerate goes straight back into the grid. Yeah. It's reused, creates new energy. And the actual sort of the emissions yeah. from that is very tightly re- regulated. So it's all linked up to the grid as well. So that it's all being measured carefully at all times. So I don't see that as a really bad option either, personally, because um, because no, it gives you not. it gives you something back. What are yeah. your thoughts on it, Chris? Laura? No, I, I think it was you know it's genius, like you say, inviting them in to see the process. Because if you can demonstrate that the process is a benefit to the you know to, yeah. to the UK and it's safe, then it, it's a viable option. It's like, more good than bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they they gleaned quite quickly and decided to do the Spanish archer in. <laughs> Because you, you always get a preconception, don't you, with incineration, you've got emissions, the ozone layer, all of yeah. these kind of things, you piece it all together. But as long as it's, it's been done in the right way, then I think it, it's, a great, it's a great option for us. And if Europe do it already, then they've been doing it for a long time, uh, way before we, we've started with it. That must give us... How much of that do we have in the UK? How many plants have we got? There's one big one in Gloucestershire. Of um, uh, what energy recovering sites. Yeah. There's one in Hull, I know yeah. that. Um, there's quite a few dotted around. It used to be the age-old adage thing that we used to say in the industry. Some customer would ring you up, is it recyclable? Not technically, but it's, it's energy recoverable. Mm. But, and we used to pass it off as energy recoverable, yeah, funny enough. That's true. But, but th- there is some sense to it. Mm. Uh, I think Sweden, Sweden or another Nordic country, has Holland, a system that they pump, they literally have it linked up and they pump it around as hot, as a hot air oh, right. and, and heat houses directly from... From the heat, right. which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, wow. the infrastructure has to be has to be in there. Yeah. Um, but on the face of it, if you can recover the energy from it, it it is useful as long as you can't get anything else from it. Yeah. And I think that's key. Uh, looking at it now, like polyester bottles should never go down there mm-hmm. because we can use polyester yeah. bottles really easy for something. And as we go along, we should be able to use more polypropylene, and we can, you know, um, HD milk bottles are really easy to recycle so therefore that should never go down and I think the risk is contamination those products mm. the key really is separating the, the good stuff that we can use again and the bad stuff for, for a different use whether it be chemically recycling or, or, yeah. or energy recoverable I think that's the key mm-hmm. and that's really difficult because that's about the sorting houses and the capabilities of the yes. sorting houses that we have in the UK mm. which goes back to the local government's um, contracts should I choose plastic-based packaging or paper-based packaging? Yeah. Laura, Chris, what do you think? So if you like looking, looking at it on the shelf, what do you, what's your opinions about this? After you. Oh. It's difficult though, isn't it? Because, I mean, that's the whole conversation. There's pros and cons for both. So, and that's why it's so confusing. You're going to go down plastic because you know it's going to give you longer shelf life and things like that. And then paper, is it... Yes, it... Is it, it looks like it's more envir- environmentally friendly, but is it? Is it going to the right place? I think it's so hard as a 
as a, as a citizen to know. <laughs> so, how many asked that question? Do you reckon when they pick the pack up? So, how much is implanted? Paper's better. Plastic's bad. When you pick the pack up on the shelf, very high percentage. Really high percentage. Yeah. And I, I think it's yeah, it's it's the propaganda, the media that that, that install it in you that plastic is bad. Like you're saying with Blue Ocean, all of these programs, paper is better, paper is more recyclable. And I think the citizen is trusting that the infrastructure is there to deal with it. I'm making the right choice here. The infrastructure, I've been told it's bad, so the infrastructure must be there. So I'm making the right choice right now. Mm. And I think that's, if they were more educated or informed they would have a, a better cho- a choice of saying, well, actually, the plastic is recyclable and it is being recycled to the right way. Mm. So instead of paper, I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. yeah. And it's, again, it all goes back to education, I think. It's a reputation thing as well, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Um, and we've been drilled for so many years now, since Blue Planet and probably before that, that plastic is such a bad thing that we shouldn't use it. And when people see paper appear on the shelves... I think there's a general immediate perception within split seconds that's better that's, that's better than that. Yeah. 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 I think as up. well I think the paper is it's innovative it looks more premium doesn't it so I think as well yeah. it kind of people it's are drawn to it aren't they. Yeah. So um yeah but if you don't know where it's going in the end then I think it defeats the purpose so yeah. Yeah. I think it's a huge subject because there's there's products out there that are Excellent. You don't have to separate the plastic. Like, so you need a plastic liner. So, it, without stating the obvious, we need a plastic liner. If we put meat in just cardboard, it's it's not going to last the <laughs> supply chain, and you may as well just go to the butchers. So we and need a plastic liner. Nice. No. So the question is, how low can you go? So how how small? So when we look back at we look at plastic waste reduction as a business, um, the key is that can we use the minimum amount of plastic as possible? but there's also the cost element and, and yep. everything in there. And paper offers that. It really does offer a, one big solution is to pay, one big tip to paper is you can get away with using the least amount of plastic possible in that pack that still requires an element of packaging yes. and an element, sorry, an element of plastic for the shelf life purposes and, and logistic purposes. So paper definitely offers that. And I think that's a huge tick for it. Mm. There's loads of other arguments about is it, you know, if it's not separable, or if it's, if it's not easy to use. So there's a lot of products that you have to separate the plastic from the paper to even make it recyclable. Yeah. And I'm not sure that that's a very good who, solution. And who does that? And, and, and no one really does it. Or, no, yeah. or, or knows <laughs> to do it. Do you do it, Chris? Yes. Yeah? Yes. All the time. <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to meet your wife. It's going to be a great discussion. I think she's more educated than we are, to be honest with you at times, yeah? Um, I think... Uh, the answer to the question is very easy. It's, it's, it's very individual. So it depends on brand and whether or not you want that premium look and whether or not you want that advertising space on your pack and you're willing to pay for it because it is way more expensive. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then the, so if you've made that decision, then the question is, okay, is it, is it convenient and easy to use? If it's convenient and easy to use, then, then, we, then we're getting somewhere in the right direction. Then the next question is, can we... Can the product be packed quickly on it, as quickly yeah. as plastic? Because there's a huge cost involved when food producers like, pack on different, different formats. And if it slows down the production, we all know around the table that it's probably not going to happen then because speed is king. Mm-hmm. So that you've got to tick that box. Yeah. 
then you've got to um, then you've got to tick the argument. Okay, is it really better for the environment? And I'm not sure we can really answer that because one is a trade-off for another. So mm -hmm. if you want the least amount of plastic in your brand, then yeah, paper is the right way to go forward. But there is compromise, definitely yep. compromise to yep. be made. There you go. As we get closer and closer, like we've discussed today throughout the whole podcast, to a widely recyclable pack curbside, and we know it's coming, we're just not there as a country yet, yeah. and there's a lot of big steps to take. As we get closer to that, I think there does need to be a shift back to pla actually citizens. Plastic is, is, is a very, very good product that now can be fully recycled. It's nice and easy for everyone, and, and, and actually it's better than, than paper because I think there, there could easily be an expose on, on, on paper and its negatives. And it will come. Massively. It will come at some point. Um, yeah. and a lot In the of same way the plastic has come. A lot of major supermarkets, I think, are seeing that now from discussions yeah. that we're having with them. So um, it's a really interesting debate. I think it's a brand choice, personally. EPR, it's cheaper, yeah. so you can kind of offset the, the costs yeah. and things like that. There is, there is many elements, and it, and it really is about looking at the two together which is what the, the what you, which is what the consultancy really aims to do is present two different packs maybe one paper one plastic if you're interested mm -hmm. compare it not just on what it looks like on the shelf and all dazzly what it really means to your business and what it means about bringing it in and what you need to do and that's yeah. what it really really focus on mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. a lot of factors mm -hmm. answer the question i, I think, think so, so yeah. yeah one is not better than the other there you go <laughs> short hard and fast yeah. there you go um I think that wraps up the questions. It does wrap up. I think up that the wraps up the podcast. Does it? Does that wrap yeah. up the podcast? That's the wow. first ever podcast done. In the so quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Even I've learned something. Have you? <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I've learned a lot. Yeah. I, hopefully customers have learned a lot. Um, and hopefully that, the idea is, again, bring, bring your questions in and, yeah. and, and, and talk to us. We, this is a huge subject that, that needs a lot, of it, lot more exposure and a lot more um, collaboration to, mm -hmm. to get right. So um, come speak to us. Clive's yeah. got a friendly face, if you've seen him, <laughs> on YouTube. Very friendly. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. bite. Um, and also, send your questions in. So if you've got other questions, you know, the next quarter yeah. or the next podcast, we set out to do this quarterly, but apparently it might be more frequent than that. Yeah, so it depends it on how many of the six listeners ask questions. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so send your questions in and we'll, and we'll keep doing this. because I think, it, I think What it's really do we think topics really could be for the next one? Yeah. What question? What sort of topics? I think we should sort of look at. We, should I point? I really wanted to point and say, <laughs> smash the like button and subscribe. <laughs> like I just wanted subscribe. to get that in. <laughs> um, but if, if you look at the graphic, I think it comes on the screen somewhere. Um, we maybe pick one of those subjects. So is it going to be like packaging design and manufacturer? So yeah. one of the big subjects we haven't touched on is how do we get a project from a concept into the market? And that's huge. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know. I think that's a whole other subject to its own right. We've yeah. got a lot of success stories in doing that as a business, and I think we should look at those. Mm -hmm. um, we can look at retail and distribution, so what do supermarkets want, uh, and where, where do they think it's heading. And, Hopefully and get a nice guest right. speaker there. Yeah, that would be, really, that, mm -hmm. that, that be, be very good, good wouldn't mm -hmm. it? You know, what are they doing right, what are they doing wrong? What do they, guest speaker from a retailer would be great, because yeah. what, what are they really struggling with? Yeah, you can submit your questions to a retailer. Yeah. Get their point of view. Mm -hmm. We could also do how the equipment links in to the materials as well. Yeah. What can be done to existing equipment, new equipment, what's coming up, things 100%. like that. Yeah, that, yeah. that's just a big consideration. Yeah. Yeah. huge. Yeah. yeah. Very. Brilliant. Cool. Look, thanks, thanks, everyone. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks. 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 thanks to Chris, Laura, Clive for thanks being guests. For the I really appreciate it. Great chat. Really enjoyed it. Mm. On to next the next time, one. Can we have beer yeah. next time, please? Yeah. Or gin. 
It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Non-branded. Can we do it in the pub? <laughs> <laughs>